You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Welcome you to Grace Church. It's great to be with you today. I want to welcome those that are worshiping with us online or whether you're watching from the, the venue or the cafe as well. Welcome. Uh, our ushers have Bibles, pens, and message notes. If you need any of those, you can slip up your hand and they would be happy to place whatever you need uh, in your hand. If you don't have a Bible, that Bible is a gift uh, from us to you. You can take that home with you. You can also uh, access our message notes on our Grace Church app uh, or at visitgracechurch.com slash live. Now, I'm, I'm sure some of us can relate, if not all of us can relate to uh, Farmer Dave there in the video. At some point in our lives, we've had a dream uh, that was crushed. Like Farmer Dave, he had a dream to be an astronaut and his mom crushed that dream. Now, he could have been an astronaut, but maybe he wasn't good enough at math, I'm not sure. Uh, but but we've, all had, we've all had dreams that have been crushed, right? And, and maybe, maybe someone even used that phrase, like, you're not gonna, you, you can't do that, or you'll do that when pigs fly. Like, maybe even they used that phrase to describe how impossible whatever you wanted to happen would happen. Uh, but today, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And uh, Jesus is in the business uh, of, of taking and bringing even dead dreams uh, and bringing them back to life because he loves us. And so today, Jesus might want to resurrect a dream that you've once had, a passion that you once had, a calling that you once had, that has been dead, that has been squashed, that has been crushed, and he wants to bring it uh, back to life today. And so we've been in a series over the fa- past few weeks, it's called When Pigs Fly, and uh, it's looking all at the miracles that occur in the Gospel of John. And so today we're looking at the seventh miracle in the Gospel of John, Jesus raising Lazarus from the death. Dad, so far we've looked at Jesus uh, healing a blind man. We've looked at Jesus taking water and turning it into wine. We've looked at uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we've even seen Jesus walking on water and calming a storm. And so before we jump in today, uh, would you pray with me? So Lord, we pray that you would meet with us today. Jesus, would you come and be present amongst us? You're already here. God, would we be aware of you? Like, God, you want to meet with us today? You want to meet with every individual that's here? God, you want to speak something new to each and every single one of us? Right now, God, I pray that we see you. And God, I pray that, that, that life would come of today. God, that you take dead things in our lives and you bring them to life. God, if we are dead ourselves, God, I pray that you would make us alive and make us alive in you, in Jesus. And so, God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we'll be in John chapter 11. You can turn there in your Bibles if you'd like, or use your uh, smartphones or your iPads, or you can even access them on the online message notes as well. Uh, we're me in John chapter 11. And as we look at this miracle today, uh, most miracles uh, so far in the book of John 
like you, you might find a way that Jesus pulled a fast one over everyone in the crowd, right? Like, like maybe Jesus didn't turn water into wine. Maybe what he did is that he, he just had a bunch of wine hiding somewhere and he ch- exchanged it out. Or maybe he didn't actually heal this blind man. He, he found a guy, he had an actor act like he was blind and then eventually he came back and healed him. Like there could be some other explanation for the miracle, But in this circumstance, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, like you can't, you can't fake that. Like if someone's dead, they're dead, right? Like if you saw Lazarus, you felt his pulse, you saw the complexion of his skin, you you felt even on his, uh, on his neck as well. He wasn't breathing. You put him into a, a, a cave, which is what they used for tombs back in the day. Like he's dead, right? You can't refute the fact that Jesus raised him from the dead if you saw that he was dead and now he's alive. And so this this miracle is really a game changer. It really changes everything. And so it starts in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, (coughs) excuse me, who anointed the Lord with a fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And so we see there's a family that Jesus knows. A lot of times when people come to Jesus, they're strangers or he's someone along the way. This is someone that knows Jesus, someone that's shared time with Jesus. Mary and Martha are, are, are two characters, they're two people in Scripture that we see. And oftentimes uh, we see their differences. So like Martha is the doer and Mary, well, well Mary likes to sit at the feet of Jesus, like always. She, she's always sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's why we remember the story in Luke with her actually pouring this expensive perfume on Jesus and anointing him and, and washing his feet with her hair. And so, but there's a problem in their world. There's trouble in their world. And so, like us, when, when something happens, when trouble occurs in our life, and you know Jesus, what do you do? You bring your trouble to Jesus. And so this is what they do. They send a messenger. And, and just a quick observation that there will be trouble in this world. Like, there will be trouble in this world and there will be trouble for people who know Jesus like like these people knew Jesus loved Jesus spent time with Jesus there will be trouble in this world now that might not be the most profound thing you hear today uh, it might be something that you hear on a regular basis like yeah uh, I see the world around me are you kidding me like of course there's trouble out there this world is messed up but here's the thing is it wasn't supposed to be this way like this is not this is not the world that God intended. When God created the world and it was good, it was good for a reason. It was because he he created this world for for creation in Him to be in relationship with one another. And that when sin entered into this world, when 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 brokenness entered into this world, it caused corruption and trouble and disease and sickness and death. And it's not supposed to be this way. It's just not supposed to be this way. And Jesus even gives hope for the trouble. He says this in John 16, 33, a little bit later in John. He says that in the world you will have tribulation, or you can say you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, because he has overcome the world. And in this miracle, we're going to see that he overcomes death, and that he gives us a hope for a future. So Jesus gives them a message, and he says this in verse 4. When Jesus heard that he said, this sickness is not unto death, this is what he's telling Mary and Martha, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
hey, so this sickness, Lazarus isn't going to die, which is ironic because Lazarus does die physically, but it's for God's glory, and it's also for my glory, for Jesus' glory. Now, we hear this word glory a lot, and, and th- if I'm Mary and Martha, if I'm really honest, like, Jesus, come on, man. Like, you can heal anybody. Just heal my brother, okay? Come on, bro. Heal my brother. I don't want to hear it's for God's glory. I want you to heal my brother. Like, move right now. But it's, he says, no, it's for my glory. And we hear this word glory a lot. And, and ultimately, is this is that, that, that God wants to reveal himself to the world. Like when you hear glory, think about God's revelation. Think about seeing God for who God is. And so Jesus wants people to see God through Lazarus in this miracle. And this is really what it's about. Like, like we, we are called, like we're, we're to live this life to see God. Like life is about seeing and being in relationship with God. And so if you can see God more clearly through even a hard event or even through trouble, like God will allow it so that you can see him more clearly. And if others will be impacted as well, well, surely he's going to let something like this happen. And so verse 5 continues, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days. In the place where he was. He stayed two more days. Jesus heard the news and he ran as fast as he could. No, he stayed two more days. Why on earth is Jesus waiting here? Like why, why would Jesus wait here? What is his motivation for waiting? And I think we see it at verse 5. It starts that, that it says that now Jesus loved that family. It's out of Jesus' love that he waits. Jesus waits because he loves them. Like in my world, waiting doesn't equal love. You know what I'm saying? Like waiting equals turmoil. And waiting equals pain. And waiting makes me mad. Equals angry. Like if I have to wait on food, it is not a good thing. All right? But Jesus in this circumstance, Jesus waits because he loves. Another reason why he's waiting is because the impact Uh, due to his waiting, will be greater in this miracle. If Jesus only heals Lazarus' sickness, that's a pretty good impact in that community, right? A few people will see and will see the glory of God. A few people will, will, will see the revelation of God in this moment. But if Jesus takes a man that is dead and brings him back to life, How much greater of an impact will that be? How many more people will see and hear of God? And so Jesus waits because he wants to have a bigger impact in this world. Not only will the family see it, not only will that community that probably loved Lazarus, Lazarus was probably a man of prominence to some degree. People would leave Jerusalem to come and mourn with the family in Bethany. So all of those people are going to be impacted by this. And not only that, the disciples that work with Jesus and minister with Jesus will be impacted by this. And so sometimes the impact that Jesus wants to have in your life is greater if he waits. Sometimes the impact that he wants to have in your life is greater if he waits. And he wants to have an impact in other people's lives too. It's not just about me. It's not just about you. Like God does what he does is so that as many people as possible will see him. Because this is what we were created to, to be in relationship with him, to know him, to see him, to grow with him, to walk with him. But let's be honest. Don't you hate that? Like, don't you hate waiting? 
I hate waiting so much. Like this week, I went to the grocery store to buy canned dog food for a dog that we are dog sitting. It's my my wife's uh, family dog, and uh, we're we're dog sitting for her parents, and uh, and they feed their dog canned dog food, which is great, but I've never bought canned dog food before. And so I'm at the grocery store, I'm looking at the canned dog food aisle, and there's so many choices, okay? Like you can get chicken, and you can get chicken and liver and beef, and you can get beef, and you can get beef chunks. And I'm like, what kind of, what, what, what does the dog want? So I'm like, okay, my wife will know, it's going to be okay. So I called my wife, ring, ring, ring. She doesn't answer her phone. And I'm, in a, and I'm in a terrible situation here. I'm in a time crunch here. And I, I need to talk to her because i got to get this dog food. And that's just about dog food. Right? Like, think about the things that really matter that we have to wait on and what it does. Like, waiting is not fun. We live in a world that you can get anything whenever you want it in a second, in an instant. And waiting is, is difficult for us, but, but Jesus waits because he wants to have greater impact in our lives. He wants to, he wants to have greater impact in our, in, our, in our world as well. And so I don't know what you're waiting on. Like some of you are like, I'm not waiting, I'm cool. But mo- like most of us, when you begin to talk to people and you really begin to ask questions about life, like most of us are waiting on God for something. Like most of us are waiting on God for something in our lives. And maybe we've been waiting for 30 seconds or maybe we've been waiting for years right I don't know but 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 what if God is trying to use this time and and, and he's going to move or he's going to show up in in the way in a different way so that he can have greater impact and so I want to encourage you though I don't like this embrace the weight embrace the weight and look for God like look for him to show up. Look for him. Because when you see him show up, it's, it's the difference maker. Like, like after you've waited on God and God shows up and arrives, it's like, all right, I'll wait as long as I need to because I, can, I see you, God. I see you for who you are and how great you are. So after waiting in verse 7, he said to the disciples, let's go down to Judea again. And, and there's this discussion about why they shouldn't go to Judea. Like, like, let's not go down there because Jesus, the last time we went down there, there are these guys, they're trying to kill you. And we don't, we, we don't want, we don't want to do that. We don't want to die. And so they're, they're starting to, to, to be mad. And then they have a discussion about, well, Jesus needs to go. Lazarus is sleeping. Like, well, we don't need to go down there. Lazarus is fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. And then Jesus lets them know that Lazarus is dead. Verse 14, that Lazarus is dead. And he says that, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Now, this doesn't sound like something that Jesus would say. I'm glad that he died so that I have to, uh, I'm glad I was not there so that you will believe it. But again, his heart is about the impact that people will see God in a new way. And so he knows that because he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, that these disciples are going to be impacted by this. The disciples are going to be impacted in a new way by this because they're going to see God in a new way. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, I've already said Jesus waited two days. 
four days. How do we get there? I know some of you are counting. Uh, and so for those of you that are, this is kind of how it went. The messenger came to Lazarus, that would, or to Jesus, that would be day one. Uh, it was about a 15-mile journey to where Jesus was, uh, or from Bethany to where Jesus was. Day two, the messenger returned to Bethany. Jesus waits day one. Day three uh, is the second day Jesus waits. And then day four, Jesus makes his own journey down to Bethany, four days. And also, why would Jesus wait four days? Like, why wouldn't he go instantly? Well, another reason might, might be is that the, there was some rabbinic teaching or a rabbi, a teacher of that day that thought that the spirit hovered over the body for three days after you died. And so you weren't truly dead until, uh, until three days later, right? Or after three days, excuse me. And so Jesus really, the impact here is Lazarus needs to be dead, right? Now, I don't know if that rabbinic teaching is true. I, I don't believe that to be true either. But he was, trying to, he was trying to get to the point that no one could say that Lazarus hadn't died. Like, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead, and I'm going to raise him from the, the grave. So no teaching, no, no, no mysticism, no nothing is going to say that Lazarus was still alive. No, Lazarus died, and he's about to raise him from the dead. And so as, as Jesus approaches, he's going to have two encounters. He's going to have two encounters with these two sisters. The first one is Martha, and the second one is Mary. And these two encounters are different because Jesus meets each of these ladies exactly where they need to be, and, and, and he has two different approaches, which is so good, right? Because every one of us is different, and our needs from God, like we need to, our needs need, need to be met by God in a different way. And Jesus does this. And so we see this in verse 20. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. You can even see their two temperaments are different in this. Martha goes, Mary stays. And now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask, God will give you. Lord, if you would have been here, Jesus, if you just would have been here, have you ever heard yourself saying that? Like, Lord, where are you? Like, if you would have just been here, like, it's cool that you're here now, but like two days ago or three days ago, my brother died. If you just would have been here, come on, Lord, like, like, where were you? Where were you? Where were you? And Jesus, what he does and how he meets her needs is he lets her know that, hey, everything's going to be okay. Hey, I'm, I'm God, I'm Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm the Savior of the world. Everything is going to be okay, and he does it this way. Verse 23, he says to her first, your brother will rise again. Lazarus, he's going to rise again. And, and Martha responds in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Martha is talking about this future promise uh, that is believed, and uh, the resurrection of the last day. What does that mean? As simply as I can say it, it's, it's when all believers, all those who put their faith in Jesus, will gather together with Jesus after this time has passed, after this life has passed. So resurrection, is, as simply put, is resurrection is bringing dead things back to life. Resurrection is bringing dead things back to life. And so what, what she's saying is, I believe that, that when, at one point that he is dead and he will rise again and he will be with you, Jesus, and after I die, at some point way down the road, there's a future hope there. And Jesus isn't interested in just telling Martha about this future hope. Jesus wants to tell her, hey, I am your hope. Jesus wants to tell you, hey, I, I, I am your hope. And he says to her in verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And not that there won't be a future resurrection, Martha, one day, but I, I am the resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the one that takes dead things and brings them back to life. Jesus is the one that takes the dead things in your life and brings them back to life. So Jesus affirms this future resurrection that will happen in in the last days yes there'll be a time that I take those that have passed away and I will bring them back to life but there also is a present resurrection Martha there is a present resurrection where I take dead things and bring them back to life and he's going to do this in the picture of raising Lazarus from the dead like Lazarus being raised from the dead is a physical picture of what Jesus does spiritually to you when you put your faith in him Like we live in a world, we talked about this last week, that people are born spiritually blind, which is another way of saying that we are born spiritually dead. We live in a world where you're born spiritually dead. And what Jesus does when we put our faith in him, like he raised Lazarus that day, he takes our dead self and brings us back to life through and only through faith in him, putting, b- believing in him that he is the one that gives life because he is the life. And so what he tells Martha is, hey, I'm God and I am, oh, and I, I, I got it. I got it. I got it. And so she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of God who is come into this world. And now we see a different turn. So, 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 so Martha needed, hey, everything's going to be okay. I'm in control. I'm the one that gives life. I take dead things and bring them back to life. Mary didn't need that. Mary just needed a shoulder to cry on. And we see the humanity of Jesus in, in how he approaches Mary and her grief. And so then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. Because this is where Mary stays, always at the feet of Jesus, saying to him, Lord Exact same words as Martha. Exact same words as Martha, but you, 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 you can imagine a different tone, right? If, if you would have been here, my, my brother would not have died. And that's it. She doesn't keep going. And, and therefore, Jesus saw her weeping. So she gets out this phrase, if you would have been here, Lord, he wouldn't have died. And she just weeps and is weeping. And there are people that came with her to weep with her. And they're weeping as well. And, 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 and the response of Jesus is this, is that he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus, the son of God, is troubled with her grief. Like he is distraught and deeply moved. Jesus is disrupted with grief and with pain. And so why is he so disruptive? And he's so disruptive is because it's not supposed to be this way. Like the troubles of this world, like they're not supposed to be this way. Like death was not the original plan of God. Like death was not the original plan of God. It's not supposed to be this way. And he's moved by the troubles of the world. Jesus is moved by the troubles of the world. And Jesus is moved by your troubles. Like Jesus knows your troubles and knows the brokenness and the hurt and the pain and the history and the abuse and the addiction. And he's troubled with you, disturbed, distraught. He's present. He's near. He's not far away. He's not too busy. He doesn't have more important things to do. He's here 
and it hurts him to the core because it's not supposed to be this way. And I'm sure you've said at some point when something's happened in your life, hey, this just, it just shouldn't be this way. It's not, it's not how it's supposed to be, and it's not. And it's not. And in verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And we see the shortest verse in Scripture in verse 35. Jesus wept. Jesus weeps with this, this, this community. Jesus weeps with us. Like, like the Son of God cries. Not like holds back tears because he's so tough, because he doesn't want to show emotion, but he weeps. He's boo-hooing right here. He's, 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 he's ugly crying right here. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's not, it's not a pretty cry. He is weeping. He's weeping with this family. And, and not only is he weeping because of the brokenness of this world, he's also weeping because he has compassion for this family that is hurting because he knows their hurts. He lived it. He was present with them. Jesus is present in your troubles. Jesus weeps with you in your troubles. Jesus is near. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just stop there. He takes the dead things and brings them back to life. In verse 38, Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb in the cave, and there was a cave and a stone. As you could just imagine, just a, an entry to a cave and a, a stone covering. This is where they laid him. And Jesus said, take away the stone and in this moment, Martha, who just said, Jesus, if you would have been here, says, Jesus, don't take away the stone. The smell is too bad. Like, like Jesus is about to raise her brother from the grave, and Martha is concerned of the smell. Like, this is an issue. And Jesus says to her, did I not say to you that if you want to believe, you would see the glory of God? And so in this time, in verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus is raised from the, from the dead. Jesus took something that was dead and brought it back to life. And Jesus shows that he conquers death, that Jesus conquers death. Jesus is the one that conquers physical death with that promise of this future resurrection that he has and Jesus conquers spiritual death and offers new life for us people say that death is our final enemy right like death is the thing that at some point every single person will die like at some point you will die some point I will die doesn't matter at some point we will all die but Jesus has conquered death where death has no more sting. Isaiah 25, 8 says, he, he will swallow up death forever. At some point, death will not exist anymore because death was not supposed to exist. He will swallow it up. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? That, that, that death no longer has a sting because Jesus has conquered death and that those who have put their faith in Jesus don't have to have fear of death because you will live with Christ forever. You will be with him forever because Jesus has conquered death. And even though we are in present troubles... And even though there are things in this world that hurt and, 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 and are not fair and aren't the way it's supposed to be, is at some point he will fully and truly, we will fully and truly be with him forever. But he also wants to, he also wants to resurrect those in here who don't know him. Like there are people in here who are dead. 
There are people in here today who are dead, spiritually dead. You you smell. (laughs) Right? You're dead. And what he wants to do is he wants to take something that's dead and bring it back to life. He wants to bring it back to life. Now, I wonder wonder what that looked like, right? So Lazarus, you know, I personally imagine a really awesome rock ballad kind of kind of kind of building and building and building and building if they had ampl- amplification at this time building and building and at that right moment with backlighting so you can only see the silhouette of it, Lazarus he kind of like struts out of the cave and just starts like doing cartwheels and running around right that'd be awesome but it probably didn't happen that way it probably didn't happen that way it probably looked a lot more like this Lazarus come forth it probably looked a lot more like like this right here all right a dude hopping out of a cave all right because he would have been mummified, most likely. He would have been in grave clothes, all right? He would have been wrapped up. His legs would have been bound. His arms would have been bound. His face would have been covered. I don't even know if Lazarus could have gotten up. It depends on how tight they wrapped him, right? He might have had to roll out of the cave, for all I know, right? In verse 44, and he says, And he who died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, Loose him and let him go. And here's the truth for us today is this, is that Jesus will will take your dead self and he'll make you alive spiritually, but you still come out of the grave in grave clothes. Like there's things from, from that past, from your death, that still hold you back from truly living. Like your, your legs are still tied up. You can't even walk. You got to hop around because, because something is still holding you back. And Jesus says, loose him and let him go. And this is what he wants to say to you today is Jesus has made you alive a long time ago. And there's things from the grave. There's things that, that, that are dead, that are still sticking to you that Jesus wants to loosen up. He even wants to take the clip off and loosen up so that you can walk again. So that you can walk again. And eventually, he wants to loosen up your hands so you can begin to use your hands. He wants to take off your, the thing that covers your face so that you can see again. And he says, let, let him, loose him. He says, loose him and let him go. And this is what the community of God does around us is that, that being people who have been taken from death to life spiritually because of our faith in Jesus... Is that we come out and we still have that grave clothes still, still sticking to us. It still holds us back. And that we help one another. We loosen one another. When you see something holding a friend back, you go and talk to them about it. When you see something, that, an addiction that, that is crippling a friend that knows Jesus, you go and you walk with them. You don't push them away and say, good luck. No, you, you help them. You, you unwrap them. You walk with them, you lead them, you guide them. This is what we do. This is why we have grace groups. This is why the community of God exists. It's so that we can do this together because, because, because Jesus has raised us from the dead. In a little while, once, once this world passes away, yes, we will get a new body. We'll be made fully new again, resurrected completely. But until that time, we'll be pulling and loosening up different pieces off of one another to fully live as the people of God that he's called us to. Because Jesus takes dead things and brings us back to life. Now some of us, we give it up for for Lazarus right here. Give it up for Lazarus, everybody. (laughs) Don't 
don't trip on your, uh, your grave clothes. Um, some of us are like Mary, though, right? Some of us are like, Ma- or, excuse me, like Martha. You remember Martha? Right before Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Lord, what about the stench? It smells too bad. It would be much better if you just kept that closed so I don't have to worry about that anymore, right? Like, I, I, don't, I, I would rather not expose us to the smell than you raise my brother from the dead. And there's some of us here today that there's things in our life that really, they really smell. Like, they're really gross. They're really, they're things that we would rather, like, lock up in a cave behind a rock because they're dead. And we would rather Jesus leave those alone than bring them back to life because we're afraid of what people might think of the smell. There's no way someone could love me if they knew that about me. There's, there's no way that someone could care about me if they knew that about me. And Jesus says to you, no, do you want to see God today? I told you if you believe, you would see God today. And he wants to take the dead things and bring them back to life. He wants to take the things in your life that are, that are, that are truly dead and bring them back to life. Don't let, don't let the fear of the smell or the fear of the acceptance, fill in the blank, the fear of whatever, keep you, keep you from experiencing life today. Jesus wants to, to set you free today. Now, for those of you who don't know Jesus, these are his words in verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though they may die, they shall live. Though they may die, they shall live. If you, don't, if, you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today and you want to live, all you have to do is put your faith in him. Say, Jesus, today, I, I believe you're the resurrection. I believe that you're the one that takes dead things and brings them back to life. And bring me back to life, Lord. Bring me back to life today. Because, there's, because if you don't believe in him, there is no life. There's no, there's no present life and there's no future hope. There's no future hope. Would you pray with me? So Lord, I pray for those who don't know you today. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to I I live. I want the life that Jesus promised me. Then right now, I would encourage you, wherever you're at, just say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Jesus, I put my faith in you. Jesus, I, want, I believe, like Mary, that you are... You're the Messiah, you're the Savior, the Son of God. I believe, Lord, I believe, I believe. Bring me back to life right now. I surrender my life to you. Bring me back to life. I don't want to be spiritually dead. I want to be alive in you. I want to be alive in you. And if you're like many of us, like me included in this, and that Jesus has already brought you alive, but there's a piece of your grave clothes that's just, just holding you back, you can't, you're not, you're not fully living out the calling that Jesus has for you. I want to pray that, that God would put on your heart right now someone to share your struggles. That he would bring someone to come alongside of you. To help unbind you. To untie you. To help set you free. To walk with you. If you're not in a grace group, I pray that you find a community of people that you can meet with regularly. I pray it could be a family member or a friend that you can share what's going on with. Because... God doesn't want to leave things dead. He wants to bring them to life to the way that it was supposed to be. 
And so God, would you speak to us right now clearly about what you want us to do? Would you speak to us clearly about maybe you're calling us to help somebody today? Someone to go and, and, and walk alongside. Maybe there's someone that we've actually pushed away that we need to bring back in. But God, would you show us what you want us to do? And then will we do it? We love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this time we're gonna at this time we're gonna collect our connect cards. Uh, every we ask every family to fill out a connect card and you can access that on your seat back pocket, or you can get that on visitgracechurch.com slash live. And we take these Connect cards and we, we give a donation for every household that we receive to our ministry partner of the month. And this ministry partner is actually our mission trip that we're taking to North Africa this upcoming week. And you can be praying for that team. They're going to be working with people who are... Uh, in North Africa, there's a ministry partner we have that is has a business in North Africa that allows them to be in the country so they can share the love and the hope of Jesus. And so your Connect card helps and blesses them. Uh, also, we're going to take our tithes and our offerings, and you can do that at visitgracechurch.com slash give or visitgracechurch.com slash Olathe, or you can do that as they pass out the offering baskets as well. Uh, let me pray one more time for the offering. So Lord... I pray that you would bless these tithes and these offerings. God, that people would come to know you because of that, these resources. And God, I pray for this trip that's coming, that, that, that this, the people in, in this area of a less than 3% Christian, I pray that people would come to know you. God, I know they'll, they'll have opportunities to share the gospel, and I know they'll be around people that don't know you. I pray that there'll be people that respond to hearing the message of Jesus, the Jesus that raises people from the dead. And I pray that people uh, would come to know you and live for you and have the hope of you. And so God, we love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.